0: Welcome back to another episode of Bed Letter. I am your host, Christian Ashelman, and this is the podcast where we chat a bit about our psychohuman brains, a little about our loony human behavior, and a lot about how it all fits together. So today we are on episode 27. It's a Friday, so thank you for all of those who've been out here tagging along. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Uh, Thank you so much. If it's a Friday morning for you, welcome, welcome. Um, If you're interested in more of my work, you can head over to cashleman.com, that's C-A-S-H-L-I-M-A-N.com. That's where I post to my blog, and I have a page there that describes different Editing and tutoring and mentoring services that I offer as well, and tied with that, I also have a Patreon page now that gives you access to the Bed Letter community Discord server, the monthly Bed Letter newsletter, and a whole bunch more. And again, you can find all of that information over on my website, cashleman.com, or over on Patreon. So today we are going to be going to, kind of going into a piece that I wrote um, a couple of week a couple of weeks ago. And I kind of wanted to just, almost just to kind of read the piece for you, ad- address some thoughts I have as I go through it, um, sort of edit it a little bit as well, and and kind of just kind of just peel apart the piece as we go through it. So um, the title of the piece, and if you've read it already, then kudos to you. You can find the piece and follow along if you want over on my blog. That's siashleman.com and the piece is called Grow a Little More. Anyway, yeah. I wrote it on February 9th, 2021. Um, it's not a super long read, but I uh, I kind of have this... I've had this idea of of efficiency and like what it means to be efficient and how are what are different things I can do in my life to maximize efficiency in certain areas and... and what are other areas where maybe I'm even being, uh, focusing too much on efficiency and missing out on other things. Right. So I've kind of had this idea. It's kind of one of those just reoccurring themes or reoccurring thoughts that floats around in your head. And I decided to, I decided to, write a piece about it um, and just kind of pour out my immediate thoughts and what immediately came to mind. And so through this piece, I kind of found a lot of, I just kind of discovered a lot of things. A lot of the stuff I came into that i talk about in this piece, I didn't really have thought out before I kind of went into it. Um, I, I kind of just went into it and used the piece to help me discover more about this, this idea that I had been thinking about. Right. So it starts off What would it mean to operate at peak efficiency? What is a peak? The Merriam-Webster Online Dictionary defines a peak firstly as a noun, a prominent hilltop, mountain or hilltop, a place you can physically plant your feet. The definition goes on to describe a peak as a verb to reach a maximum capacity or value of something. Finally, a peak is defined as an adjective, being at or reaching the superlative level or performance output. There are a lot of ways that you can formulate what a peak is, with each of these parts of speech presenting their own perception into how a peak can be established. The unique aspect of looking at a word this way is in the English language's subtle habit of mirroring humanity. Personally, when I conceive the word peak in my mind, I run it through my head as a verb, as something that I can achieve, something that is obtainable or a skill that is capable of being honed. I see a list of goals that can be checked off in order to perform at my peak. The word, simply put, has a, a lot of action associated with it, a lot of doing. And um, really quick, side note, uh, just as something that I, I kind of realized as I started this piece, I didn't really know how to start, right? I, I, I started by asking them the question, what would it mean to operate at peak efficiency? But I didn't really know what to go into from there. And I feel like a good, this is kind of just a nice little lesson, not only to myself, but to, you know, those, you know, listeners out here, uh, who are, if you're needing to be writing English essays or you are having to choose topics to write things for school, argument essays, whatever, um, and you have your topic and you're not sure where to start. Sometimes starting with simple definitions is kind of enough to help you figure out, you know, where to go from there, right? And so that's kind of one thing I realized as I, uh, as I started this piece was I was like, I'll just start with a definition. What is a peak, right? And I went to Merriam Webster, I cited that, linked it in, and, and kind of used that. And I ended up finding a whole bunch of interesting things about how it's perceived differently through different parts of speech. Right. And so that's kind of just an interesting way you can start a piece. If you never, if you're confused to start by defining what you're talking about, literally defining it, right. Both in how you define it personally and in how, uh, the world defines it and how the dictionary defines it, right. The language defines it. And so anyway, back into the piece, uh, the end of that last paragraph ended with the word simply put has a lot of action associated with it, a lot of doing. This is even apparent in the way I write and by the transitive property, the way I think. For example, in the paragraph above, I have just noticed while writing that I used I conceive, I run, I see. All of these phrases were just, were used in conjunction used in conjunction with some sort of mental function. I could have just as easily said, I think I ponder or I visualize, but that's not how my inner monologue processes things. It wants to implement some kind of action. It would seem that I need some sort of action paired with a mental process in order to make what's in my brain become a reality. Could this be a clue into how I can manipulate my mind and body into a unified peak? So that's a huge exploration paragraph. I really enjoyed writing that one because I was just kind of uncovering different things and looking at my own writing as I went, which was kind of fun. It's kind of fun to do that every now and then. Um, but anyway, everyone's mind is similar in that it is pink and meaty, and all the major brain centers are usually in the same place from brain to brain. That's where the similarities similarities seem to stop, and the beautiful differences start to flow. In a mind, if a mind perceives a thing. An idea or an object or anything else using particular parts of speech with a certain consistency wouldn't it stand to reason that subtle amplifications or changes to the language the mind automatically employs could result in a substantial shift in perception and if this perception is the root of all experience and learned experiences help build up proficiencies in then as a result A person's peak performance in X activity is more readily able to be reached, keeping in mind that X can literally be any activity. A quick summation of peak performance would come down to practice, practice, and more practice. While this is inarguably true, I would put forward that peak performance stems from an individual's thought patterns, their mental habits, and most importantly, the way they talk to themselves when they aren't thinking about it. Are we to believe that someone who professionally strives for peak performance and maintains that state is wasting any time being self-destructive? Not self-critical, these are different. Self-destructive implies a far more sinister intention. And this is this was a very important distinction for me when I was writing this piece. It was is, there's a big difference between being self-destructive and self-critical. I, being self-critical is important. Otherwise, how do you grow? How do you learn and and become something more than you were, you know, yesterday, right? It, it destructive though. That 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 leaves you with no gain. No gain and just less than you were before, right? So those there's a very important difference there. Um, the piece goes on. The goal then would be to discover how your mind thinks. What specific words do you use when you are think when you are thinking about something you love? Are there any that reoccur under the same umbrella theme? Are you thinking in nouns? Are you thinking in places that you've been, people that you've seen, or are you thinking in verbs? What you did while you visited a place, what you said while, when you hurt someone, what you felt when you accomplished something. It seems to me that cluing in on how your brain thinks might allow you the opportunity to adjust your behavior to match the words you choose for a more effective outcome or a peak. That's the first half of the piece, the first chunk. And um, I kind of, like I said, I kind of just let it flow. I did a lot of uh, stream of conscious thought type writing where I was just kind of going. And I haven't edited the edited this piece a ton, although it definitely could use it. I feel like there's a couple parts where it gets a little murky in what I'm trying to explain. Um, for example, the paragraph where I said, if a mind perceives a thing using particular parts of st- speech with a certain consistency, wouldn't it stand to reason that subtle amplifications or changes to the language the mind automatically employs could result in a substantial sh- shift in perception? And while that Is can make sense if you follow it very closely. I feel like reading it out loud and just reading it again, it's kind of confusing. And I feel like there's some parts, and I fall into this. uh, I personally fall into this. I don't know if uh, any of you listeners do out there, but I fall into this habit where I'll sometimes just start throwing in too many words. I know in the previous episode we've talked about how reading fiction and things like that helps you learn how to be more succinct and be express yourself verbally better um and i i feel like sometimes there's there's this this line you tell where it does but then sometimes i i fall into this like creative weird mindset where i just like start throwing in all these big random words to explain things and i start using way too many words to explain one thing right and so and maybe that was kind of the point of this piece right it was to be a little exploratory but uh, it's something to be aware of is is how easy it is to digest what you're reading or what you're writing right and so anyway the second half isn't as long but I go into um, efficacy or efficiency and how and what that is and so I I once again I didn't know how to start and so I started by defining what it is and I used Merriam-Webster right out of the gate once again um, and it really helped me kind of position myself And so I said, what is efficiency? Once again, Merriam-Webster comes to the rescue. To be efficient is to be capable of producing desired results with little or no waste, or uh, or being or involving the immediate agent in producing an effect. The first part that jumps out to me is little or no waste, and this forces me to clarify my question. In what way am I striving for efficiency? My initial question was in reference to an intellectual space. What would it mean to operate at peak mental efficiency for you personally? Once again, I clarify further, a necessary measure. Because of the overflowing differences from one individual to the next, as we discussed earlier, everyone will have varying points of peak mental efficacy. What does it mean to have mental waste? Could it be unwarranted stress? useless worrying the toying with impossible desires surely allowing your mind to wander and daydream within reason isn't a waste there is a value in putting air between your thoughts this waste must come in the form of time spent not dormant memories or stored experiences but actual time spent on negative thoughts emotions beliefs and convictions that eat away at your psyche nothing i create is original they they don't want to hear what i have to say my ideas aren't good enough make it so by this measure the answer in part is to trim the time spent on worthless convictions the more time you spend not thinking about how bad you are at something is the more time you spend getting better at said thing and in doing so becoming more mentally efficient the formula for efficiency seems to be like some boring platitude that should be a no-brainer which it is in the same way a new engine should have no problems running. But a new engine will still eventually need an oil change. The same way your brain needs positive self awareness to stay healthy and efficient. And um so kind of just pick apart what efficiency is there and or at least for me and, and what kind of what different ways can I, or, or what different ways can I perceive efficiency and what ways can I directly have it influence my life? And it kind of came down to me as I found it in this, and there's a lot of different ways you can, a lot of different answers you can come up with. But, um, for this, it came down to a, a time thing. And I feel like for me, it often does, but it came down to a, uh, how much time am I spending thinking negative thoughts? How much time am I spending wasting, uh, wasting time speaking, thinking about, uh, thoughts that are that are that are self-destructive as we talked about earlier um and so uh the end i kind of put the two pieces together in just a short little summation uh, and i said what is peak efficiency we know that to reach a peak we have to look at the way that we talk to ourselves what words we are specifically using to energize our role in maximizing performance we know that mental efficacy comes from trimming wasted time spent on harmful convictions What does it look like when we combine these two pieces of the puzzle striving for the peak runs the same river as increasing efficiency as we learn to hot swap new energetic words into our inner monologues we might find that we'll grow a little by accident we might find that we ourselves are extraordinary and really believe it and when we see that in ourselves we'll shred that fatty time we used to spend wallowing in self-pity and will accidentally grow a little more so that's the whole piece um and i uh, this is a, a small little you know tidbit lesson i guess you could also take is it's kind of fun to sometimes just look at the last line look at the last paragraph of your piece if you're having trouble coming up with a title and just take grab it, just grabbing a little little bit of words a little chunk of words there and using that as your title um that's what i did for this piece i like it i mean i mean there's there's a million different p- t- titles that you could come up with, but that's one tactic that you can use is just kind of snatching a little, little chunk out of your, your end paragraph or your end sentence and using that as your title. Um, but the piece is, is it's definitely a, a somewhat of a rough draft. I'd say it definitely could use some editing. There was a few little things throughout the piece. I noticed just m- mostly grammar, but there was, um, also with just flow and, uh, the, being able to fully explain and peel apart an idea. I think that, I think that it's, that it's really fun when you sit down and you have a theme and you have this idea and it's a reoccurring idea and you kind of want to, um, maybe learn a little bit more about it. And that's one thing that writing really can do for you is it can help you peel something apart enough to where you might think, you know, a lot about something, but you might there's a whole lot that's uncovered. And by writing about it, you're going to accidentally uncover so many, so much more, so much more information that you never knew. And in that process, you're going to learn a lot. And so, um, I would, I would recommend, I would recommend doing something like that. If there's just something that's reoccurring in your life, a thought that's reoccurring, a theme that's reoccurring, um, sit down and write about it and just don't, don't be, uh, shy about what you say about it, how you say it. And, and just kind of, uh, put it all on paper and see see what it ends up as do that thing we've talked about a couple episodes you know the the mental vomit get it all out on there and see what see what see what you can learn from yourself from by by kind of divulging out into a visual space what 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 it is that you're thinking about so anyway i hope you guys enjoyed this episode i think that's where i'm going to wrap it up right there you can find this piece and some other a whole bunch more pieces that i've written and more to come over at my website. And if you've enjoyed listening to, uh, if you've enjoyed listening to Bed Letter or this episode, be sure to follow on whatever platform you prefer. Uh, remember that you can check out the rest of the stuff. Like I said, different pieces that I'm, I'm writing and different things that I'm working on over at my website. That's cashleman.com. And if you really would like to, um I do have a Patreon, and I have details about the different services I offer over there in regards to editing and tutoring and mentoring for English and writing and organization and stuff like that. Um, as I said, all this stuff can be found over on my website. That's cashleman.com. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. I really appreciate it. I really enjoy sharing the stuff I write with you guys both on my blog and both verbally through the through the podcast. I think it's kind of fun. So, um, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, be sure to, uh, let me know on my blog. There's, you know, you can comment there. You can comment on social media, wherever. Um, and I will see you next week on Tuesday. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And I hope you guys have an awesome week. I'll see you next time on bed letter.